0: Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Hey, good morning, Horizon Church um man it's good to be with you today love just hearing about what's going on in our church around the world uh through our church uh really exciting um if you have your bibles uh i want to encourage you to grab it maybe i know that's something i was um, I was watching the other day online. I'm like, man, i, I got to get my Bible and write it down. We're going to be uh, jumping around some places, but I think it's important for you to see in your own Bible uh, some of the passages that we're going to be in. So if you need to uh, skip my intro uh, and go grab a Bible, grab a notebook, you can do that. Um, I, I had a really great um, intro. It was a little bit witty. It was funny. It had some jokes. But as we were worshiping, I think that last song, the bridge just it just got to me. And I, and I don't know if there's a better way to lead into what we want to talk about than to just stop and reminisce on those words that let us become more aware of your presence. God, would you let us experience the glory of your goodness? Today, we're talking around this idea that we are called to grow in our knowing of who God is. Let us become more aware. God, let us experience you to growing degrees. You see, we've been in a series called What's Next, and it's loosely pulled from uh, Exodus chapter 6, where God takes the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and we looked at it Easter, that we can know God in a personal way at salvation, and, and then we come to that we're called to make a big difference, that the same kingdom Jesus came displaying and proclaiming that we today are now invited to be a part of that. Uh, that we are not just called to be a part of that, but he created us with a purpose uh, so that We can play our part in ushering in this kingdom. And and part of that, as well as we just, man, Pastor Shanda last week so elegantly and just beautifully talked about the need to find freedom and healing from things because we're all messed up. And that's okay because Jesus desires to deal with it. If you haven't watched it yet, I really want to encourage you to go back uh, because today we'll build on those assumptions and those teachings. Uh, But as Exodus 6 goes on, the story goes that they are brought out of Egypt and eventually make it to the promised land, and uh, as is the story of the Old Testament, once they got the promise, they tend to forget the promise maker uh, and the promise keeper. And you might say, oh, it's a little bit different, but I think today it might be a little bit more familiar to say, once you received your call or your purpose, we tend to forget the person who called us and has purposed us. That the, the need, I think, for so many followers of Jesus and the longer I follow Jesus, the more I am aware that if I just put it in neutral or cruise control, I'm going to be left to live out of my flesh and of my sin, not the spirit of God. That humans do not tend naturally to lean towards the things of God. Our tendencies will draw us towards the things of flesh. And so today my hope is to bring some teaching and some vision towards what it could look like for you to continue growing in your knowing of who Jesus is. You see, because Jesus' kingdom, he came proclaiming, it is very different than our culture that we understand and live in today. I'm not sure if you're aware of that where there's peace and humility and people prefer others in love, that we handle people and things properly where there's no tears. There's healing. The kingdom Jesus came proclaiming is very different than what I lived this last week. And so the question is, how do we go from our current reality as a culture, personally, my own mistakes and insecurities, how do I get from where I am to where God's called me to be and what he's called me to be a part of? You see, Peter uh, was one of my favorite characters in the Bible, maybe because I relate to him more in his shortcomings than anything else, uh, and his passion and unbridled and sometimes misplaced passion. Um, in his second epistle, his last book that he writes, we're gonna look at some of that because I think it paints a picture uh, to what we can expect in our understanding, our growing and our knowing of Jesus. A little bit of background of this epistle. Uh, this is Peter's last book. He knows he's about to be crucified, And so as someone who he's writing, this is his last book, that holds a little bit more significance. Like you see in the movies when the plane's going down, I was watching one the other day and someone just calls and starts leaving a voicemail for a family member in case they don't make it. Who knows that those words mean way more than the casual, hey, how's it going? Just different conversation about life. If you think these are your last words to someone... They're going to mean all the world to you. And there's incredible weight. Like, you got to grasp this. Peter's thinking, I'm not going to be here much longer. You have to get this. And this last epistle is short. It's three chapters. Incredible book to read. It starts and ends with this idea of knowledge of knowing God. And I want to point out, because I think it's really important, that Peter, he writes this book to a people, not a person. Because if we're not mistaken when reading our Bible, we can read things that Jesus or Peter or apostles or Jesus instructed the church to do, a people, a community, and we take it personally thinking we can somehow fulfill that in and of ourselves. So Peter, he addresses it to a, a people, not a person. And this is what it says uh, in 2, Peter's, uh, 2 Peter uh, verse, or chapter 1, verses 2. It's just his normal greeting that he says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, we could spend a lot of time on those two, grace and peace. I encourage you to look into that. For the sake of time today, we won't, but grace is more than just the forgiveness uh, from our sins, that grace, but grace empowers you to live the life God has called you to. The more you mature in Jesus, the more grace you consume because you're no longer living under your strength but his incredible grace and peace that is not based on circumstances, but is solidified in the presence and the person of Jesus in your life where you are not shaken. That type of peace. These are incredible blessings. So grace and peace is ours in abundance. More than you need. Not just enough, more than you need. But how? Through the knowledge of God, of Jesus our Lord. Verse three, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything you need to make a difference, to discover your purpose, to find freedom, to not only proclaim, but display and usher in the kingdom of God. Everything you need to live the life God has called you to is found in your knowing of Jesus. Jesus doesn't need a supplement. He's enough all on his own. Peter saying, hey guys, listen, don't forget this. There's a lot of teachings as the book goes on. There's false teachers, this and that, but all you need can be found through our knowledge of him. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And our next series is actually going to get into the next couple of verses. But Peter essentially goes on to list the fruits that we are called to focus on in Jesus and then produce in our own life. It says, to your faith, add goodness, to goodness, kindness, kindness, self-control. And it goes on. This is such a beautiful passage of scripture. But as we know Jesus more, we begin to produce the fruits. Did you know that the fruits of the Spirit are incapable for you to produce in your own will and wants? That we can't do that. That's We either run to lawlessness or legalism. But Jesus invites us to partner with the Holy Spirit as we focus on him. The Holy Spirit begins to produce these fruits in us. It's beautiful. Next series is coming up. We're getting there. But in verse eight, it ends with this. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, there's growth there, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to get a bit into that in a second here, but then he ends the book. He bookends 2 Peter with this thought. 2 Peter 3.18 says this, but grow in the grace, that grace we talked about, and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now, forever, and amen. These are some of the passages we're gonna be looking at today. But our bottom line, if you're writing it down, you like kind of just maybe one statement that can just be rolling around in your head and continue to work on your heart and your spirit for this week is we are called to keep growing in our knowing of Jesus. We are called to keep growing in our knowing of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. Jesus, I pray that you, for those who don't know you today, God, that you would just reveal yourself the way that you do in such a beautiful way that would draw all men to yourself. For those who are new in their walking with Jesus, God, I pray that they'd be inspired to know there's more. And God, for those who have followed you faithfully for decades, I pray that you would ignite again a fresh desire and expectation to encounter you in a life-changing way. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at this idea of knowing God. Now quickly, there's three kind of knowings when it comes to Jesus. Easter, we talked about it. You know Jesus at salvation. You encounter him, you learn about him, and you receive him. That's a one, that's kind of the first elementary stage of knowing who Jesus is. And then there's a third one that 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. It says, hey, we know in part, prophesy in part, but one day when the perfect comes that being Jesus, when he comes in eternity and eternity and the kingdom is ushered here, you will fully know God, as you are fully known. So like we know, we discover who Jesus is, step one. Step three is one day, oh guys, Like, and I think it's important that we keep this in our mind, like one day you will know God in all of his glory, in all of his goodness you will rule and reign as a priest and royalty this earth this is our calling this is where we are going this is the end of the book the last chapter, we are going somewhere good and I think it's important to remind ourselves in the between the first knowing and the third knowing of where we're going because sometimes the middle ain't so fun. But when we remember that one day I will fully know God as he fully knows me now, man, I'm excited for that. But in the middle, there's this second knowing that we're going to talk about today. But I want to talk about this word knowing. I think it's important because our culture today, when we say, hey, oh, I know that person is different than the biblical meaning. See, there's a difference between how we understand the word English word no and what we read in our Bible and how the New Testament church understood it. Today, we have this word no. We simply think it's, I understand. I have the correct information. If you ask me a question, I could answer. It's our universities based on, I'm going to ask you a question. If you have the right answer, you know that subject. We get that. See, knowing Jesus is more than having right beliefs about him, however. Because I think sometimes, oh, yeah, I know who Jesus is. I know all about him. That's actually not what this word is talking about. Being a Christian is not just having right beliefs about Jesus. Because my Bible tells me that demons have incredible theology about Jesus. They believe all of the right things about him. And they even tremble. So as a follower of Jesus, we got to be better than demons. Amen? Like, we're not just called to have right theology, although it's very important but we're called to something. No, A.J. Swoda in his book, he has this quote about this, this deeper knowing. He says, having right beliefs but no faith is a very real possibility and still is. Christian spirituality isn't solely about one's capacity to restate right, true, or accurate beliefs. We can throw the, I think it's, we got the quote up on the screen there. Christian faith is total trust submission and faith in Jesus reflected we know we have this it's reflected in a whole person pursuit to know the one being trusted if we trust God we'll want to know who God is and what God says beautiful so great That it's not just having the right facts about him. We're called to enter into a deeper understanding, meaning and relationship with him. To experience him. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us not just know that you have glory. God, I want to experience it. Who's glad this morning that we don't just have to know stuff about Jesus, but we get to experience him and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit in ways that change and transform us. See, the root word here is gnosko. I probably butchered that. Sorry, Keung. If you're watching, you're probably not. Uh, but has a much deeper meaning. It means to experience, to understand. So the Greek word that we translate into know, the original uh, audience, people that Peter's writing to, they would have understood this. So I just want to make sure when we say knowing, when we look at knowledge, knowing. It's not just up here. It's experiencing to increasing measures. See, followers of Jesus are invited to know Jesus in these increasing measures. And Peter lets everyone know that everything we need to live the life Jesus has p- bought and paid for us and called us to is provided for us in our knowing of him. Not just knowledge one time, not just a prayer one time, in our whole person pursuit, as A.J. Swoda says, of Jesus. Everything we need, grace, peace, you don't need to supplement it. And again, reminding that everything you need to live your life, he's writing this to the church body, not to a person. Because sometimes we read this it, like, oh, everything I need is not just knowing Jesus. I don't need anything. I just need Jesus. No, that's not, that's, that's terrible hermeneutics. That's not what the Bible's saying here. And second, not just knowing. So we're called to know in that knowing, but we're also called to growing. You know, we read in 2 Peter thirteen eighteen it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. See, there's two things. We're not just called to know Jesus. And, I, and, and that's why that bottom line sounds a little bit different, but it's really important. We're called to keep growing in our knowing. Knowing is active. Knowing is continual. Knowing is cyclical. It continues to go that are knowing, but we're called to grow continually in our knowing. There's no pause. There's no like, oh, I don't need to, I've arrived. Like that's not in orthodox Christianity belief. That's somewhat of a new thought when it comes to the church body and Christianity. But there's two things that grow or change. And I want to be careful with this word change and you'll see why here in a second. But I think that change, that grow, that, dare I say it, evolve in our understanding of who Jesus is. In our knowing of God, there's two things that kind of change and grow. And first is God. Now, before you get the pitchforks, light up the fire and call me a heretic. Listen, hear me out. God in his character is solid and unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and forever. We sung about that this morning. Who God is doesn't change but how we experience his unchanging nature is always changing. How God, the creator, chooses to express himself to his creation, humanity, is dynamic. It's not static. What do I mean by that? Moses chapter six, or Exodus, or Moses in Exodus six. Great example, we're in it. God comes to Moses, hey, listen, and in the English, we can kind of miss it. He says, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your fathers, they knew me as Lord, but you will know me as I am. You're like, okay, what does that really mean? But essentially he's saying, listen, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the one he gave the promise to And the Greek says, he knew me as Elohim or El Shaddai. But Moses, get ready, because I'm about to reveal an aspect of myself that has always been, but has not been experienced or expressed yet. You will know me as I am Yahweh. And so we see that God was always Yahweh, but he chose in this moment to reveal another aspect of himself to his finite creation that lacks the ability to grasp all of him at once. And we see that later, well, hold on, Daniel, Yahweh was early in the Bible, yeah, guess who wrote the, those chapters before Exodus 6? Moses. Because of this moment. Luke chapter 9 on the mountain transfiguration, right? Like we see this where he, he's sitting there and, and, and they're, they're up there, if you can read it, I was reading this morning, and they go up there and it's like, oh wow, like they, they've been with Jesus this whole time, but all of a sudden like, oh wow, this is different, They had a new, Jesus was always God, but they experienced a new aspect of him that was different and it was changing. It was new. And you see, I think something inside of us, when we like this idea that God never changes and we expect him to experience, because again, we see the human tendency in the disciples on the mount. They said, let us build tents This is incredible. I need to somehow bottle up and control this. You know, earlier this week, I just had a a time with the Lord and I was caught off guard by how, like just, I'm not gonna be able to explain it, but it was just such a powerful moment. Wasn't expecting it, wasn't planned and I was just overwhelmed. So strong yet so fragile all at the same time and I just didn't want it to end and I remember journaling after, I said, God, why isn't it this good every time? Have you ever wondered that? Why don't I get the same thing out of my Bible every time I read it? Why don't I get the same? God, why? I felt like God said Daniel because I'm not an idol. You see, idols are static. They sit there and we go to them when we need what we get out of them. And we know exactly, the ancient world will know exactly what to sacrifice to get exactly what they needed out of it. Something in humanity wants to be able to control so that when we need it, we know exactly where it is, but this was never Yahweh. Because when he brought them out of Egypt, he was in the moving pillar of smoke. He was in the pillar of fire. You could not go back to where he was last week because he was the same, yet he was moving. He was dynamic. And when we come to know Jesus, we cannot expect that the same thing we did a decade ago in our relationship with Jesus is any way suffice in growing and knowing who he is. Yes, Jesus lays out to us a way that we can understand and experience him, but he's new and he's moving you say, Daniel, well, where does that lead to? Like, well, you we saying who God is changes with our experience inside the confounds of the word of God, his Bible, and, and, and like that is our kind of our guidelines and the church and orthodoxy like gives us our boundaries, but you may go to read your Bible today and it might be different than last week. And that's okay because God is the same in his character, but he is growing and moving and different in, his, in your understanding of his expression. To you. See, humanity, we have this tendency to try and box up or bottle up the presence of God as if to reproduce it at our will and our control. I think because they're rare and it's special, I don't think it's bad. I think it's just, we don't want it to end because we want to be able to repeat it when we need it. And I think something in there is we just really like control. And so this idea, our experience with God is ever growing and changing. And not only that, we are ever changing, right? I remember my father-in-law in in the first personal Bible study and we were doing our first word study and he said, class, if you study this word, mine was diligent, diligently for all the young adults out there that don't like to wake up. It's interesting when it says diligently, I will seek you Has a connotation with first thing early in the morning. Sorry to bring that to you, just a little tidbit. Uh, Anyways, but he said, you'll do a word study. 10 years from now, you could do the exact same word study and you will get a completely different result because you are a different person. Because you've grown. Your perspective is different. I look at the word differently as a father than I did just as a married man without kids. I look at it differently walking through our miscarriage than I did before our miscarriage. I look at it differently after high school and graduation, whatever what's going on in the world, because we are dynamic beings. We change, we shift, and we grow So, this idea of needing to be growing in your knowing is because there's new expressions and experiences of God that's always available and you are always changing. What's next? Man, we need to keep growing in our knowing of Jesus. Uh, While uh, Wallace or Walls and Andrews and one of their commentaries says this, this encourages us to keep on growing. No true Christian believes I have arrived the Christian life is continual growing life and is never intended to stand still, Uh, that growth finds its focus in an ever-increasing awareness and understanding of the person and the character of Jesus Christ. I think we had a slide on that up there because we are called to keep growing in our knowing. Why is this so important? Why does this matter? Daniel, what's the point? Because right before... That verse 18, we read at the chapter three of Peter. There's verse 17. And verse 17 says this, if we can throw that slide up. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, he's talking about false teaching. He's talking about just misunderstandings that we don't need to know God or we can know God in all these different other ways. So be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by error into the, uh, the error of lawless and fall from your secure position, this calling, this calling to make a difference, your purpose. And he counters that with, but grow instead in your knowledge. Why is growing in our knowing so important? Because when we stop growing in our knowing, we start falling from the person that Jesus is. Like for someone who just started following Jesus last year, you need to hear me. Oh man, there's so much more for you to experience. It's incredible. You can grow in your experience, your knowing, your knowledge through firsthand experience of who Jesus is. It's incredible. And that person who's followed Jesus for 40 years and you just feel like, well, I just kind of wake up and good moral person, keep doing whatever it is. Can I tell you that you too are called to keep growing in your knowing. There is more for you to experience Experience in your relationship with Jesus. It is the arrogance and the pride of our modern era to think that we can wrap God up totally in our mind and fully understand him because we followed him for a decade or two. Are you kidding me? I've had that mistake. I thought those thoughts, oh, I need this. No, we're called to keep growing. See, if we're going, if we are growing, we're going to walk into this what's next and avoid the mistake of Israel. And Peter said at the beginning of the chapter if you don't want to be ineffective and unproductive in what God's calling you to lean in to a greater experience and knowing of Jesus. It'll keep you from being ineffective. It'll keep you from offense. It'll keep you from wasting your life. It'll keep you from making the wrong mistakes. And I want to let you know too that the the will of God and knowing of God tends to be a whole lot more broad than it is narrow. We have this idea and we walk in fear like, oh, if I don't make the exact right decision, Jesus is going to fail me and I'm going to make a mistake. No, Jesus is sovereign and powerful enough. You honor him and know him and walk forward listening to the Holy Spirit, but in the person that he has made you to be, If you love Jesus and desire to follow and know him, you won't miss it. Someone needs to hear that today. When you hear about this, there's this anxiety and this stress that comes up and you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I make the right decision or not. Like just love Jesus and lean into the things that allow you to know him deeper and you won't be ineffective and unproductive. That's the promise of the word of God. That's not my promise. That's his promise. This is Peter through the empowerment and, and of the Holy Spirit. See, the world is desperate for a church, that doesn't just know about Jesus, but one that has an ever increasing experience and knowledge of him that transforms their lives. So, we've got a lot of Christians that could answer all the Sunday school questions, but they live nothing like Jesus because they are not growing in their knowing. My hand's up in there. This isn't accusing. This is, God, would you search me? Where are the areas where I think my knowledge about you is good enough from my experience with you? We're called to this family. So, okay, how do we keep growing? How, Daniel? That's great. How? I'm not going to leave you hanging. Elena, if you want to come up on the keys. But how do I keep growing in my knowing? I got three, three thoughts. And the first one's a little bit different than our normal order. But I think number one is you need to commit to growing with people. Commit to growing with people. Again, Peter wrote his last epistle to people, not a person. Now, you've heard me say, like, hey, this building is in the church. You are the church. That, and I believe that to be true. It's also convenient in time when we can't gather in a building. But I think, as with anything, you can take that to an extreme that's not healthy. You are the church to the extent of your connection to the gathered community of people called the church. Paul puts it as a body. It says you're members of the body, that's the church. And a finger is part of the body. But if the finger is cut off and left on the road for a day or two, it ceases being part of the body. Its ability and function and connection to being the body is directly correlated to its connection to the body. And you are the church when you go to your workplace. You are the church when you're at home. You are the church when you're parenting. To the degree of your connection to the greater body of people. Jesus came for a people, not just individuals. The books are written to a people group. We need each other. We're connected. You see, and and this is what I mean by this. Yeah, community, I I know that's kind of a buzzword and people have different meanings for it. Right now we can't gather, but I want to ask you, to pray today and ask Holy Spirit to commit to who are two or three people you can commit to growing with in your knowing of Jesus. This was two or three years ago for me now. I was at a point in my faith on staff here where I felt stagnant and I didn't know how to grow more. I, I knew there was more, but I didn't know how. So I began to call up a couple people and I didn't know what else to do. I said, hey, do you want to start a book club? And let me tell you, if you're a 30 year old man and you say yes to a book club, it's God and God alone, right? <laughs> that ain't sexy. That's like, hey, you want a uh, book club? But I found a couple guys, and three years later, we are growing in our knowing. We're reading books that help us grow spiritually because I'm committed and I don't know sometimes. And I got someone else, a DJ or Jacob, to be like, hey, correct that. Hey, lead in that. That's different. Hey, we need to grow together. Because I can list a long list of spiritual disciplines, of practices, of how to read your Bible, but you would forget it. I'm not there for you all the time. Pastor Craig's not there for you all the time. But you need to find people who are. And everything else in this list is predicated on committing with people to grow in your knowing together. And here's a suggestion. Find some peer-level people that you love and that you trust and that they are trusted followers of Jesus where they love Jesus and they want to grow. That's important. And then find someone that you look up to that you admire something in their knowing of God and say, hey, could you teach us? Do you have any book suggestions that we could read? Maybe not every single time you meet. But I want to challenge you today. If you're saying, I don't know how to grow, find people who will help you grow because you are a complicated person, as am I. And I can't give you a clean list of do this, do this, do this, and whoo, magic. You'll be perfect in knowing your God because God isn't an idol. He's active and He's moving and He's involved in the situations of your life. I can't counsel what I can't see. So you need people who can see, who are close enough to feel it, close enough to see your attitude with your wife or your husband, close enough to see the struggle that no one sees on a Sunday morning, close enough to look at your financials and say you're not making space in your finances to be generous, you need to learn to live beneath your means so that you're ready to give when it's time to give. That was a conversation that someone had with me because I was committed to growing and knowing Jesus in a group of people who are committed to each other and committed to growing and knowing. That's going to be our call to action, by the way. There's two other things that you can do with that group that we're going to talk about, but that's what we're going to pray for at the end of this. We need to, we need to lead into this. Because it might be a while till we can meet in this room. But you can meet over Zoom, God forbid. Or you can go out to a, a, a park, or you can call someone, or you can figure it out. If it's worth it, you'll do it. Because you find your way to the grocery store because it's nutrients and it's necessity for your living. Growing with people is a necessity if you're going to grow in your knowing. Number two is commit to growing through his word. That's the first thing. Again, I can't walk through everything and how to know the word of God, but you need people who you can ask questions of. Hey, help me understand this. Hey, I read this. This doesn't really make sense. What am I talking about? And I love, this is an example for us in the Bible. In Luke chapter nine, at the end of Luke nine, the disciples, Jesus says something to them. And they said they didn't have understanding. They didn't get it until after the resurrection when the Holy Spirit is released. And the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He did this for them and he'll do it for you. Catch this. He brought to remembrance the words of Jesus and brought new revelation to their situation. You don't read your Bible to accumulate words and knowledge. We invite Holy Spirit to bring to life the words of Jesus and bring fresh revelation so that we grow in our knowing of him through his word. This is what Jesus invites us into, family. We're called to grow in our knowing by committing to growing through his word. See, you you simply, you cannot simply expect to grow in your knowledge of Jesus apart from being committed to reading, learning, studying, loving, and obeying his word. There's no substitute for his word. There's not. You might handle it and and interact with that differently. That's okay. But there's no substitute for being committed to growing in your understanding of the word of God and who Jesus is. And lastly, you need to commit to growing and spending time with Jesus. And again, there's no exact formula to this. I really wish I could box up the manifest presence of God and say, do this, 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 and you'll find it every time. My time with Jesus this last week caught me off guard. And you know what, this morning, I went to have time with Jesus, it wasn't the same. I'll be honest, a little disappointed. And I think sometimes we get, right? it wasn't what it used to be. Sometimes you'll read your Bible, And you won't feel like it did anything to you. But later in the week, the Holy Spirit comes. And what does it do? Same as it did to the disciples in Luke chapter 9. He brings back to your memory the words that you had read on Monday. And he brings fresh revelation for your situation on a Thursday. We need to learn to commit to regularly spending time with Jesus. The deep, meaningful, powerful experience with Jesus that you are looking for may not be in learning something new, some big idea. Or oh, I just need a different message. I just need a, a different discipline and something will unlock it. That'll be magical. Pastor Jack Loman, who's gone to be with Jesus, used to always say, it works if you work it. Family, we are educated far beyond our obedience to Jesus. And some of us don't need a new teaching or a new doctrine or a new practice. We just need to do consistently the things that we already know and we grow and we change. We do it with people invited by the Holy Spirit. But we just need to be committed. I'm just going to make time to be with Jesus. I'm going to make time. I just have to. because It's that important because I'm called to grow. If I don't want to be ineffective and unproductive in what God's called me to, I need to be consistently growing in my knowledge of Jesus. So here's what I want to pray for today. If you want to close your eyes at home in the room, I want you to ask Holy Spirit this question. Who are one to three people that he is asking you to commit to growing in your knowing of God with? And right away the temptation came in some people's minds in this moment to think about it, but I'm not going to put it into action. That's a good thought or not. Stop. If you, don't want to be, if you no longer want to be stuck in stagnant relationship with Jesus, being stalled out in your growing of your knowing of God, I want to encourage you to take this step of faith. Ask Holy Spirit for one to three people, peer level, people you love and trust, who love Jesus, that He's gonna ask you to step out and text and say, Hey, do you wanna commit with me to growing in Jesus? I don't even know what that looks like yet, but I know I need it. 30 seconds. And now I want you to write down somewhere, your phone, whatever, set a reminder of when you're gonna text those people. This week, today. Family, can I tell you that in the last four years, three and a half, four years of my life, nothing has led to more spiritual growth in my life than my group of three guys. Nothing, like there's no comparison. This isn't a good idea, this is lived out in my life and the life of so many others that I look up to in their knowing of God. And I want you just to text them. And you know what? I'll open it up, danielhorizonchurch.ca. If you want book suggestions, if we don't know really what to do and how, and maybe the first step is to find someone who's earned their gray hair in this church and say, hey, how do you spend time with Jesus? Can you teach us? What a beautiful opportunity. Get together and say, hey, we're just gonna commit to growing. Where do we need to grow? And let's figure it out. You have my email. Email me, I can help in any way I can to to lead and guide your growing of your knowing. But Holy Spirit, I ask that we would no longer be okay with being ineffective and unproductive in what you've called us to, God, that we would grasp and understand that we are called to keep growing in our knowing of you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be praying for you today as you send those texts. Some of you, it's fearful. You're scared. You're not sure where it's going to fit in your schedule. There's a lot of excuses as why not to. Take this afternoon, read through 2 Peter and see the reasons why it's maybe worth it to do it. Love you guys. Let's go to the post show. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.